Welcome back to another episode of the CT Turf podcast. This is another on location um, episode that is being recorded on location with um, special guest, Dr. Micah Woods. Hi, Chris. Hello, Micah. Thank you for, for joining again. I guess you really have no choice because, you know, we're kind of staying at the same house this week. So, um, you know, you might feel left out if I recorded this without you. <laughs> yeah, well, we've been talking a lot about turf grass and uh, it seemed like it would be fun to record something that we could share with people. Yeah, I think it does seem like a, a, a great opportunity. We've done podcasts. I've done your podcast before multiple times and we always do it um, from a distance, which works out just fine. Um, but it's fun to be able to sit in the same room and, and do this, uh, do this together. You not being in Bangkok and me not being in, in the uh, Minneapolis area. So it's fun to do something like this on location. And hopefully, um, this topic will be something that is people find interesting. <clears throat> so obviously this week we've been working at a golf tournament. And so that brings about a very, um, it brings about the the notion or the idea or the opportunity to talk about tournament golf conditions. And in the past year um, at Hazeltine, the 2022 golf season, we maintained with the idea of tournament conditions every single day of the golf season. We, we really opted to um, stay away from some of the sort of regular preventative scheduled maintenance that often is thought to be necessary to be able to elevate the golfing conditions to a certain level for a certain period of time. And we, we've talked about this, that when you're at a golf tournament, you're not doing any of that kind of preventative maintenance. It's just, you're just maintaining the golf course at a really high level. So the idea or the hypothesis, I guess you might almost call this is, well, how long can you maintain at a high level without having to then do that perceived or thought to be necessary work? Can you just maintain a golf course at a tournament level for an infinite period of time without doing that sort of work? You know, the answer is probably no, but there must be some period of time that you could do it without the work being necessary. Yes, it's... <clears throat> It's something that when I've been at golf tournaments and I have a chance to think about it, I notice that there's certain activities that are not done during tournament week. It would be very atypical to do deep and infrequent irrigation during tournament week. It would be very uncommon to do any type of core cultivation or solid time cultivation during tournament week. It would be uncommon to apply top dressing sand or to verticut during tournament week. And yet we think that all of these things are necessary to some extent in order to prepare surfaces so that they can tolerate the stresses that they incur during a tournament. But if we only do those things on a calendar schedule, to prepare for the tournament, um, that that I, that seems like kind of the standard way. Is we we would say, okay, we'll verticut once a month, or we'll verticut every two weeks, and we'll top dress uh, a certain amount, and we'll do all of these things to prepare to peak at certain times. Mm-hmm. And I think the only way to really safely, like, so basically the answer is we don't know, right? If if we're gonna avoid all. <laughs> 
or if we're going to try to minimize that stuff and have the best conditions for as many days in the year as possible, uh, the answer to the question is, I don't know um, how much we can get away with not doing. But what I do know and what I found extremely useful over the past few years is to start measuring a few things. And by measuring a few things related to what's happening in the soil, what's happening with the grass, and especially with what's happening with the playing conditions, I think it's possible to make a site-specific uh, maintenance plan mm -hmm. that, that optimizes this so that we can get the maximum number of days with the desired playing conditions and to do so with more of those uh, you know, tournament tournament type conditions where we are not doing preventative maintenance. Right. I mean, what I what I can tell you, and you know this very well because we kind of we stay in communication about this, is it does work for one season without a doubt. We maintain those conditions from the day we open till the day we closed with with no difficulty whatsoever. And so then our data collection process is really to me important to this because we're looking at daily condition data, daily plane condition data, the stint meter bobble test, um, which is the a smoothness rating on the green. And we're looking, so how is the, the how are the, the, the surfaces performing on a daily basis? And then we're also doing longer term um, testing, which would be the OM246 testing that we do and those are to make sure we're not doing some kind of undue harm that we're not, you know, superintendents have probably all said at one time, and I have said it myself, well, we're doing this work when questioned by, you get questioned by a member, why are you doing all this work? Well, we're doing this work because if we didn't do it today, it wouldn't be as good as you want it to be tomorrow. And so my thought is why, let's see if we can avoid riding these cycles of, we do the work today, it builds towards tomorrow, it's really good tomorrow, then we do the work the next, then we do the work again, and then we build and we're building up and we're going through kind of this wave. And what I can answer without question is that we can do it for a year. There's no doubt about it. I think we can do it for much longer than that, but but what what is the answer to, you know, how long and without what kind of, you know, with, with, without what type of maintenance practice, what are the maintenance practices that will be required? Something surely, but in what interval and in what, what, you know, what type of practices? And it, it must necessarily be site specific, what those maintenance practices are. And we've talked about what the OM246 measurement is and how it can be used in some much longer podcasts on my ATC office hours, and I've talked about that on the ATC double cut too. Right. Which, so, which I'll interrupt. We will link to this. So if you're listening to this on Apple or Spotify or any other, we'll have links to those podcasts. If you that's something you think might be interesting to you, a longer form version of this discussion. Thank you, and I I think that what you have to do, like the very fundamental thing to measure, is what the playing conditions are that are being produced. So I don't want to talk too much about the OM246 right now. Mm -hmm. And let's just talk about something that goes a little bit beyond the stint meter. Because everybody's familiar with using the stint meter to measure the 
ball roll distance or what's commonly called the putting green speed. But of course that doesn't assess how bouncy the green is and it doesn't assess how truly the ball rolls across the surface. And there are maintenance practices like verticutting, top dressing, and uh, venting or spiking or air or solid tining or core air core cultivation or dry jacking or any of these types of things they they will disrupt the ball roll to some extent and so they'll, they'll disrupt the speed but they'll also disrupt the quality of the ball roll so will if the surfaces get too soft chris mm-hmm. if, if the surfaces are too soft and that could happen because you're not top dressing enough or because you're not verticutting enough, right? right? So right. I think um, if if after a rain you find you get footprinting on the greens yep. because the surfaces are too soft, well, obviously that's the the stint meter may not catch that, but the bauble test certainly will. And I want to encourage people who are interested in this to to consider using the bauble test. Yeah, it's it's I I do think it's a really valuable tool, and I I remember. Um, when you first, I, that idea was first introduced to me, I think it was you and I, maybe you were talking with Jason Haynes. I seem to remember about this and I thought, well, that's really interesting. And I bet that can give us a good data point. And I, the question I often get from people, I think you hear the same thing is, it seems like it's too, um, let's say subjective, like it doesn't provide, how can you just with your eyes watch the ball roll and get a number that is going to be consistent? Is it, it's going to be that it just wouldn't be a consistent number, but I have found that that is not true. And I can, my eyes correlate to what I'm seeing really quickly. And I will always recognize that a six is a certain amount of chatter and or snaking or a, a, a ball bouncing off the surface would be a six. Uh, a seven is a little less and an eight is less than that. A nine is getting near perfect. And a 10 is really um, just the ball, like if it was rolling across across a piece of glass. Um, and it's, it's easy for me to do that. And I have done it with assistance and we can quite quickly correlate our, our eyes and our, what we're seeing to get to the same numbers. So I found it to be really useful in that way, probably much more so than, than people would imagine. Yeah, I've I've found it to be more useful than I ever expected to. And I want to give a bit of a motivational speech here about how simple it is. Because it's on a scale from 1 to 10, where 1 would be an absolutely horrid roll where the ball might um, hit a huge footprint like you'd have in loose sand. It would be like putting in a bunker. Yeah. <laughs> okay, putting in a bunker. And, and <laughs> that's, that's a 1, okay? And then a 10 is absolutely perfect roll with zero vertical deviation, zero horizontal deviation from a true roll. Now, for me, the score of professionally managed greens that are decent, that are even decent, it's going to start with six. Right. If it's a five, you're going to have continuously through the roll, you're going to have the ball bouncing mm-hmm. and chattering and snaking. Let me define real quick the three terms, the three things that we look for. One is bauble, which gives it the name, the casual name for the test, the bauble test. Bauble is when you see with your eyes that the ball leaves the ground. There's space between the, the putting surface and the bottom of the ball. Yep, you can see that it is. there is air between the, the green and the ball's location. 
Chatter is vertical deviation where the ball is up and down. It's not rolling perfectly smooth, mm-hmm. but you can't see with your with your eye at regular speed that the ball has left the ground. And snaking is when the ball is rolling along and it deviates to the left or the right. Mm-hmm. And so that would sometimes be called uh, trueness. Yep. So those are what you're looking for. And if the ball has bobble, the first thing you look for, that then the, the most dramatic thing that we would see would be the ball bouncing and leaving the ground or bobble. If there is bobble, the score is going to be six or below. Yep. Okay? Yep. And, and I don't really care in the, in the range from putting in a bunker, which would be one, up to six. For me, that's all unacceptable for the types of greens that are managed in 2023. Right. And then with... Uh, a score of seven, there absolutely cannot be any bobble. If there's bobble, it's going to be six or below. So with seven, uh, for a score of seven, you will have chatter at multiple points in the roll, at two or three points in the roll, but not continuously. There will be some sections of the roll that's perfectly true. And um, the, the snaking, you could have isolated snaking events or isolated chatter events and there would be more than one. So that's what's going to happen with with a score of seven. Yep. And a score of eight, I will give that when we have an isolated chatter or an isolated snaking event. So if we see the ball rolling, and, and we typically would do this by rolling the ball off a stint meter, do it at the same time that we're measuring the green speed, taking a stint meter measurement. When we watch that ball roll, if it chatters at about the 8-foot mark and then it snakes at the 10-foot mark, I'm typically going to give that a 7 because mm-hmm. it, we have multiple deviations. Two events. If it just chatters at the 8-foot mark then and it's just a little bit of chatter, just for a couple inches, I'll give that an 8. Mm-hmm. So, so for me, 6 is a bauble and kind of continuous... Um, error in the roll seven is some true roll but it it deviates at a couple points eight we've got a single deviation at a nine is basically a perfect roll but i'm not a hundred percent sure about it i think i might have seen some chatter but i'm not sure and anybody who's rolled a ball and looked at it carefully will have the same feeling that they're not quite sure was that a chatter or was it not a chatter and then 10 is where there's absolutely no doubt. Right. And I'm 100% sure that that was a completely perfect roll. Right. And you do that, you just do that a couple of times and you quickly get confident in your own eyes and your own scoring yeah. and ability to do this. Yeah. So for me, I'm like, here's a number that's just waiting for us that tells us, are our greens not performing because they're getting too soft because we're not doing the preventative maintenance that we need to. So so for me, before we worry about what's in the soil and before we worry about clipping volume and, and some of these other measurements, let's just measure the conditions that we are producing. Then also, if we want to say that the venting that we're doing or the verticutting that we're doing or the top pressing that we're doing, it, that, it, that it's keeping the greens at a tournament condition week after week mm-hmm. or a top condition week yeah. after week, if you measure right after you've done the venting, tell me that that doesn't affect your ball yeah. score. I think there's no doubt about it. And I think that's what, what people would see if they start to implement that as part of their daily um, routine is if they do some kind of event that they, you know, is deemed to be 
not noticeable by the golfers. Again, a, a, a type of statement that I have made myself. Um, I think they will find that there there is an impact on those types of events on the ball and how the ball rolls. And m- maybe most of your golfers won't notice that, but some of them will. And there will just be, there the, 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 again, the question and the hypothesis I'm sort of making and we've we've talked about and we're asking is, do those types of things, are they required to make sure that the, the golf course continually stays in excellent tournament level condition? And again, the answer I can give sitting here today is that in one year of not doing any of those things, the answer is yes, we can maintain that um, with no decline at all in the in the playing conditions over the course of that period of time. So we'll keep going with it. Um, we're gonna our routine next year is going to be very similar. Um, we'll keep, you know, through this, uh, certainly have more conversations about it in this media and this in, on my, on the, the blog and the newsletter and on this podcast and, um, and we'll see what happens, but I'm going to bet on the fact that we can go long periods of time without the regular type of preventative maintenance that has become so common and still maintain the golf course at a very, very high level. I mean, and not just a very very high level, but a tournament level, um, and and we'll keep going. And 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 you know, I, I should also say I think when there is some because we're taking these numbers, Micah, and I think you'll agree with this. When there is some type of decline, we will notice it before it becomes something that is a problem that can't be solved with some kind of regular routine event. Yes. Uh, I think so. I think it's important to measure uh, and track over time. And this is something that uh, I see sometimes there's some debate about the value of data collection. And it's like a lot of people are measuring with a stint meter. You you measure the green speed every day. Adding on the bobble test adds no extra time right. because it's you're measuring it on rolls that you were already making anyway. All you have to do is just pay attention a little bit more just to watch the ball roll out. And, and assign a number to it, but it adds no extra time. It's just a little bit more concentration that one soon gets used to. And um, and if you're not measuring the stint meter every day, what I encourage people to do to get started is just do it once a week. So now instead of assessing how many days we are achieving the desired conditions, we can do it on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. There's 52 weeks in the year. You might be at a location where you've got a 52-week season, or you might be at a place that has a 44-week season, mm-hmm. or a 36-week season, or whatever. But what you can do is... Just to get started, if you're not doing this every day, you can do it weekly. Record weekly and say, this week, did we meet our desired standard or did we not? Right. And and then by tracking it over time, you start to see if things are getting better or if they're getting worse. And there's other things that you can measure in the soil and with the grass that can also serve as checks on this. And there's, you know, that that's not for this discussion, but uh, we've, we've talked about it before and we can talk about some of those. Yeah. Um, in, in some other discussions. Yeah, so I, I think, we'll, to, you know, to wrap it up and to summarize, I think we, we, we both would agree um, that it, we probably can do less maintenance and maintain the golfer at a high, the golf course, excuse me, at a higher level for longer periods of time. But we should also be checking, um, we should be checking those numbers and make sure that that's not just us saying it. It's not a guess. It's a, we know it, we have the data, we have it written down. And, um, 
yeah, I think it's 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 something that would would potentially benefit um, many people if they if they're interested in this sort of thing. So, uh, Micah, thanks for joining again. Uh, again, fun to do these things on site, uh, on um, location. As on location is the better way to say it. Um, and um, who knows? Maybe we've got a little bit of time left this week. Maybe we'll have a couple more of these discussions. Yeah, I, I certainly have no shortage of things to talk about when it comes to turf grass and playability. Me either. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Chris. Okay. Thank you, Micah. And thank you for listening.